When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John This is John Katsimatidis, number one show, Cats at Night at 5 o'clock. And you hear things here that you're never going to hear anyplace else sometimes. And uh, in the studio with us today, we have two common sense Democrats, Governor David Patterson and uh, Judge Richard uh, uh, Weinberg, and one common-sense Republican, former Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington. Uh, And uh, this is a TriCast, broadcasting on the WABC 770 studios, along with 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR. And uh, we have some breaking news you're not going to hear anyplace else. Uh, Lydia, we have a fantastic story. And before we go to uh, Maria Bartolomo, is supposed to be calling in, but before we go to, let's do breaking news with uh, Rudy breaking Washington. Breaking news, WABC. Rudy Washington. Rudy, you put some dots that you were the deputy mayor under Rudy Giuliani. You, you've seen it all happen in 9-11. And I understand you, you have, uh, you know, don't forget, our, our station and my show is listened to by the FBI, the CIA, the KGB, Chinese intelligence. <laughs> so when you're saying something, they're all listening. NYPD. That's right. Putin. We think Putin's listening to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, Tell us, uh, Rudy Washington, what, do you, what, what did you, you put two, two together? What happened? What I'm pissed about, John, is the takeaway from the 9-11 report, simply put, was uh, lack of communication, not connecting the dots. Um, a situation that came to my attention simply by watching the evening news, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people heard, but it didn't resonate, that there was a big fire, I believe it was in Salinas, California, at a food production plant where they had to evacuate the immediate area because the fire was so big. And it happened because a plane flew into the plant. Uh, One would not think much of that. But then, you know, when I began to uh, think about it some more. I, re- I thought I heard something else about another plane going in a food production plant. And then, oddly enough, Politico uh, came out with a story that there has been, at that time, 16 destructive fires at our food production plants. Mm. And since then, uh, there's been two more. Uh, and this past weekend, I believe the number was 30,000 acres in Nebraska, a farmland was set afire. Uh, we had a major fire, another 25,000 acres, I believe, in New Mexico uh, to farmland. And then, oddly enough, I heard that uh, the FBI has sent out a notice to farmers that they're being attacked with ransomware. Hmm. So, you know, you look at all of this, and, you know, and I invite the audience just to Google. I think uh, Politico was the one that wrote the original story, and I heard something about it on, on uh, Fox. But uh, So Google that, and you can read up on this information, um, what I'm talking about. Um, so 
Now we have an open border. I believe you have to be very naive not to think that terror cells have not crossed that border and not operating in this country. Uh, look, our enemies want to bring the fight to us on Fifth Avenue. Um, one of the things and luxuries that we've had, we've never had to fight a war other than our own, the Civil War, on our turf. And I believe our enemies would love to make us fight that war on our own turf. So by having this open border policy, you're looking at the destruction of our food supply, and no one is speaking about it. The agency in charge is the FDA, and they have spent most of their time trying to figure out how to make five-year-olds take the jab, and we have mass. That is something I hope uh, the right people are listening to it. You're brilliant. And we are the first ones to report this because I've never WABC is the first one to report this. No so one Rudy, has put my, it together my, so well like you just did, right? My first uh, question, Rudy, is David Patterson, is the pilots of these planes, well, do we the, even the, know? Not, it's the, not certain they were, they were piloted. What Rudy is saying, maybe there were remote-controlled crashes. Yeah. Could be. Or as their governor said, they could have jumped out deliberately just before. Who knows? There's been no follow-up This report. is a very serious question, and it's worthy of the highest levels of investigation. But you would think this agencies. would be uh, breaking news, first or second story, even on the national newscast, because it's happened in different states, 18 times, according to Rudy, in the last basically two yeah. years. Yeah. Well, how is that not like the major story we're following. If Rudy hadn't brought this to our attention, nobody would be talking about this. I saw something about the food sh- plants, fire. Some of the listeners had been texting, you know, sending me DMs and everything. But the way you put it together, the way you connected the dots and connecting it to the border, I, you know, John says it's best. It sounds like America is under attack. They're attacking us no, at the border. S- we, we've been saying that all along, that America is under attack. And and this might be another angle. I yes. mean, uh, Pe- President Biden, if everybody remembers, is walking around saying uh, there might be food shortages. Right. Well, does he know, have they told him as the president of the United States something they haven't told anybody else? Yeah, right. You know, uh, uh, John, you will remember this, uh, and so would you, Governor, and Judge, because all of us was involved. In 95, uh, I was commissioner of Department of Business Services. And I did not understand the concept of NAFTA. It just didn't make sense to me exporting American jobs to other countries, you know, uh, displacing our auto workers, our farmers, you know, blue-collar jobs. It just didn't make any sense. It didn't add up. Well, you know, up into the 1990s, about 80% of our produce and fruits came out 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 of south of Georgia, 80%. Well, today it's down to 20%. All of our food and, and, and fruit production comes out of Mexico in the, in the southern countries, uh, in the southern part of the hemisphere. So let me ask you a question, Mr. Deputy Mayor. What do we have, what resources and what industry do we have where we're independent, where well, we're not relying on other people? And, and, Judge, you remember what happened when China threatened us and basically said we'll cut off your meds, you know, when, uh, during COVID. Uh, and that was one of the threats that they made to us. And, and it came to my attention, the antibiotics was all made in China. And all the constituent ingredients for pharmaceuticals are made there, too. And exactly. so were all the masks and all the other PPE supplies and everything. 
It's frightening. It's frightening. Why is the president allowing this to allow this invasion to occur, aiding and abetting human trafficking, sex trafficking, drugs pouring in, terrorists pouring in? Why? What's it going to take? Why is he doing this, Rudy? Uh, Kat, um, we really need our own Marshall Plan uh, for for us to bring back one judge of pharmaceuticals. I mean, that's that's a no brainer. I mean, um, if if the governor wanted to do something, she should have an economic development people talking to the pharmaceuticals saying, no, guys, we'll give you a great deal. Come back to New York. Let's and spend that governor- money. Let's spend the money on pharmaceutical production and research what, rather, than, rather than Buffalo Bills. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Governor. <laughs> governor Patterson, I remember you telling a story about how you had received some inside information and then you heard about something, an incident happening, and you were hoping it wasn't what you thought it might be. So like what we were talking about before, what John mentioned, that President Biden, he's been hinting that there could be food shortages. So he may be aware of the FBI uh, you know, cautioning uh, the the farmers about the ransomware and this connection to all the 16 but, but Lydia, destructive fires. Why hasn't he not sealed the border? You know, because if, they're packing the country with Democrats. That's it. They're buying the vote. Just there like won't they, be a country at this rate. But uh, leaving this out, this particular incident, I mean, theoretically, it could be from people who came from the other side of the border. But believe me, the sophistication with which these attacks are occurring could be from people who already live here. Sleeper cells. Are, uh, yeah, Sleeper in other words, cells. people who are trying to destroy uh, I, the food line of this country. Guys, I understand, uh, and uh, I understand Maria Bartolomo is just calling in, and it's been a great day in the market, even though the economy's down. Uh, Maria, how are you this evening? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Thanks so much for including me. Well, I'm scratching my head, and I'm wondering how well we're doing. We just went through uh, uh, with former Deputy Mayor uh, uh, Rudy Washington. Uh, Maria, on, I'm a big fan. And uh, he, oh, thank you so much. He's right put two. He's been two, put two and two together, and uh, systematically over the last uh, year and a half, eighteen large, one of the largest plants in uh, food plants in the United States have either been crashed into by airplanes or burned down. Wow. And he's yeah. wondering if President Biden has walked around saying there might be food shortages. And if is there something that they've told him that they haven't told the rest of us? And, uh, well, John, as you know, you know, better than most, we are facing a food crisis. I mean, we've been talking about the inflation crisis, uh, but that's only part of the story. We've had people on the show that have talked about, unfortunately, in some corners of the world, a famine. That is coming. First of all, there is a reason that they're calling Ukraine and Russia the breadbasket of Europe uh, in terms of the wheat and in terms of the, um, the, the crop that is rich. And that, of course, is now under severe pressure. You've also got fertilizer. Fertilizer, a major component, also being held up. You've got a supply chain crisis. Um, with all of these tankers and uh, commercial ships unable to load and, and, and unload around Shanghai with the, with the shutdown. So it's just extraordinary what's going on right now. Unfortunately, it is a result of bad policy. And, and what I've, I've been talking about is that, uh, and me and you talked about it uh, a lot, that all that uh, President Biden has to do is open up North America to oil production 
and the price of oil would go from $110 back to 55 And it will bring down inflation. It will bring down the cost of fertilizer. It will bring down the cost of everything, food, Oreo cookies, etc. I've been talking about Oreos. But, but uh, on the other side of the fence, if they keep raising interest rates – and the long bond or the mortgage is thirty-year mortgage is five percent plus. It's going to destroy the real estate industry. So it'll be another industry to destroy. So I tell all my friends: Would you rather produce oil, or would you rather uh, destroy the real estate industry? Is the next industry to to get hurt? I think it's a major point um, because you know. It just indicates that we have not seen the worst of things yet. And when you consider the fact that we are watching a Federal Reserve raise interest rates in, into a slowing economy, you know, today with the GDP number of a contraction of 1.4% versus expectations of a gain of 1.1%, certainly way down from what we saw at the end of last year with the fourth quarter uh, at 6.9%. You know, you recognize that we are talking about a severe slowdown in economic growth, and um, we're negative now. We've got several revisions to come on this GDP number, but if it does end up that we've got a contraction in the quarter followed by another contraction, another contraction, obviously that's recession. Does it, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it either because you'll feel it. You'll feel a recession. And already you're seeing people, um, unfortunately, watch their salary go up in smoke because even though they may have seen a raise or wage increase of some sort, um, it's getting eaten by inflation because you've got wages up on average 4%, but you've got inflation running at 8.5%. So you're not really feeling that, that gain at all. So, again, it's not what you call it. It's what you're feeling, and we're all feeling it. Uh, and I know, and and everything that's happening in the last fourteen, fifteen months, America loses, and somebody else wins. Uh, I mean, is America under attack, and 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 nobody realizes it? Well, clearly, we have some serious adversaries right now, John. I mean, look, you're talking about um, a very, uh, a very um, specific goal from the Chinese Communist Party, and that is to overtake the United States as the, um, as the economic superpower, the military superpower. I mean, these goals are stated, you know, so there's that. There's, of course, risk um, in, in Europe and now this unbelievable conversation taking place of the potential of nuclear threats. And so, you know, you're Honestly, we're in a world of hurt. I'm sorry to say. I mean, I, you know, it takes leadership. Uh, I, I enjoyed your uh, discussion yesterday with the CEO of Bank America uh, uh, and um, uh, Brian Moynihan, and uh, and he seemed to be very optimistic uh, that uh, the consumer demand is there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you feel equally? Well, you're right. I mean, look, the consumer is strong. And that's one of the good parts to this story, but that, you know, there too lies the risk. So what he was saying is um, 
over the last year, given the fact that we've had an incredible amount of stimulus. You know, you've got government checks going out because of Biden's one point nine trillion dollar um, COVID package back in March of 21. That was followed up by a one trillion dollar infrastructure package. That was followed up by efforts by the Democrats to push through what they called was a $3.9 trillion Build Back Better agenda. Meanwhile, it was you know $5 trillion, really, because there were a lot of gimmicks in there. But the bottom line is consumers did save. They socked away money. So in the last downturn, whereas you know consumers were not seeing the kind of nest eggs that they are now, having said that, even though you've got that stronger – you know, backdrop of the consumer, they're being selective in terms of their spending. So they're no longer spending on, you know, as much on stuff, goods. Instead, they want to get out. They're doing travel. Hotels are on fire. You know, Expedia, travel, you know, related things because they want services and things like that. Great. The problem is we are seeing a situation where the Federal Reserve is raising rates, making things more expensive. And so it's going to continue cutting into, you know, there's only so much that you could spend that you're sitting on. At the same time, there's an inventory situation here, which is a big part of the decline in the GDP, because you've got the supply logjam and companies cannot sell what they don't have, even though some are producing in the U.S. They're waiting on semiconductor chips. They're waiting on, you know, components and as a result, that's cutting into things. And you have the supply chain um, and an inventory problem that is cutting into business margins. So, you know, that along with inflation, you know, yeah, the consumers, the consumer is doing well, but you have to Mer- wait <clears throat> to see, you know, how they react as things get more expensive. I understand. And the consumer has been hit in every area. They've been hit in, in gasoline at the gas pump, double the prices. They've been, they've been hit at the food stores. They've been hit at retail. And, and now if they get hit in the mortgages, that's another, uh, what do you call it? Nail in the coffin? Uh, well, it's a headwind. It's a headwind. Yes. You know, it, it, it's getting more expensive. And, um, you know, look, we're looking at, certain indicators that seem to be, you know, bouncing, which is, which is a positive. I mean, look at what you have in terms of user growth at Facebook, Apple, you know, some companies are going to be able to, you know, ride through it. But for the most part, things are getting weaker, not stronger. There was one more thing before I get to Rudy Washington, wanted to ask you a question. Senator Schumer had a press conference before, says he's going to raise taxes to combat inflation. I mean, I love Senator Schumer, but that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's going on is an inability to recognize that you've gone off track. Okay, you know, for a long time, they've been telling us inflation is transitory. It's temporary, transitory, transitory. And, you know. A lot of people, business managers were saying, well, it's not what I'm seeing. In fact, that's what you said too, John. That's not transitory. But they were telling us that it is. And so we're getting deeper and deeper into the hole, whereas they're pushing more spending, you know, wanting to raise taxes, putting more pressure on the consumer. And now we've got the beginning of what could be the beginning of a recession, you know, with, with a contraction. So 
there, there needs to be an ability to say, hold on. Sure. We have all of these pie in the sky dreams. We all want a clean planet. We all want to, you know, do the right thing in terms of, you know, energy, but it's not realistic to think that a solution is not part and included in fossil fuels in the way that we do business today and the opportunity that exists in America in terms of drilling, in terms of the rich product. Oh, and by the way, if you want to keep relying on adversaries, well, we just got a pretty good punch in the face in terms of what that means. So here's Biden doing a deal with Iran to get back into the Iran deal so that we get Iranian oil on the market. And yet we know what Putin just did with his blackmail, with the reliance on Russian natural gas. He said, no, 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 no. You're not getting the natural gas unless you pay in rubles. So you want to rely on adversaries. That's what you get. How did they think this was going to end? You're well, uh, Deputy Mayor, former Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington, you had a question? Yes, Maria, before you cut my head off, let me make the statement. I think this economy is worse than Jimmy Carter's. Um, Jimmy Carter, interest rates went to about 20%. However, I believe if you take the CPI and use the same method that was used in the 80s, 1980, you would, today you would come up with probably an inflation rate of about 17% as opposed to 9 um, You know, and um, what's going to happen, John pointed to it, uh, I believe 50 basis points is baked into the cake for next month. However, it could be 75. Um, you're going to see a slowdown in the housing market. And, it, and at this rate... Well, if they keep raising rates, exactly, that's going to happen. Exactly. They're going to collapse the market. Um so, you know, we're in a bad way. You're right. You're right. And, you know, I think that uh, making things more expensive and tougher for the consumer is not the answer. Sure, the consumer has a little bit of a nest egg right now. But to zap it up with inflation across the board, higher interest rates, you know, the stock market selling off, all of these things... You know, so you've got and, and by the way, you say, you know, 50 basis point hike next month. It's next week. May is Sunday. Right. right. Monday. You're right. Yep. I forgot. So you've got the meeting next week. It's here. It's starting. The pressure's on. And we're in the middle of earnings season. We heard from big tech this week and we're seeing some real weak spots, um, whether it's advertising or, you know, consumerism or, you know, like I said, the inventory problem is severe. Um so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, I guess at, at this point, we're going to have to, something's got to give, you know, because, um, uh, look, Brian Moynihan was certainly positive on the consumer. But at the same time, he questioned the Federal Reserve raising rates into a slow economy. And what we're seeing is people are reallocating their money for example you know brian and jamie brian and jamie have some influence in that federal reserve yeah so you may you maybe maybe it won't happen well i mean look stephanie pomboy has been a regular guest on my program mornings with Maria, and she said the fed's not going to be able to raise a string of rate hikes there she doesn't think she thinks that the market will be so severe sell-off that it will stop the fed 
maybe they'll get away with one, but they're not going to be able to continue it. Earnings wasn't that great. No, well, I had a different opinion. I I thought the earnings would be better than in in a lot of companies because the CEOs were ahead of the curve raising their prices, especially in food, uh, where I I know a little bit about. Maria, thank you for Maria Bartolomo, number one show in uh, at Fox Business, and and I watch you every Sunday at ten o'clock uh, on uh, on Fox News, and uh, six o'clock in the morning, I'm always with you. Uh, thank you so much, John. Hope you'll come back soon. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be taking a break, but tell us, we have a great uh, rest of the show. We absolutely do. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Mike Gonzalez. He is an esteemed journalist. He's also a former Bush administration speech writer. And then we'll also be speaking to John Chachis. He's a Twitter and he's a finance and uh, he's a finance and media expert and Dr. Mark Siegel. So keep it right here. Cats at night. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show on the line with us right now. I think it's his first time appearance here on Cats at Night. This is Mike Gonzalez. He's a journalist, a former Bush administration speechwriter, and he's got a lot to say about what's going on in the world today. We were just talking before Mike Gonzalez about what is happening with the Biden disinformation board that he's putting together. I mean, isn't that some sort of violation of free speech? What is going on? I, you know, I'm so glad you asked that. And by the way, I think it's the second time I'm on this show. Uh, look, I, I think they cannot handle the free exchange of ideas. So they're setting out to suppress it. But I'll tell you what's even sicker. They're saying this is aimed especially at Hispanic communities. This is insulting. Obviously, what has prompted this is that, you know, Latin uh, Americans of Latin background are just migrating right. It's happening with uh, Mexican-Americans in the Rio Grande Valley. Cubans who have always voted conservative. That's my people, by the way. They're they're voting even more so uh, conservative. Uh, Puerto Ricans in Central Florida are doing this. So what, what are they doing? They're saying, you know, no, no, Jose, you cannot handle free, the free exchange of ideas. We're going to suppress it. I don't think it's going to work. But even, whether it works or not, it's disgusting that they're saying that Americans of Latin descent cannot by themselves judge whether information is true, is true or not. So, can, can Latins, people with Latin descent, do you have the ability to uh, to uh, have a uh, voter ID voter ID. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's, that's a good laugh. Thing. Let me ask. <laughs> well, let me ask. I have uh, we have two black people in, in the studio, good friends of mine, Governor David Patterson. Do black people have the ability to vote without with Governor ID? I would assume so. <laughs> I would say 99% of them could do it, 99.9%. I think Rudy's offended by that question. Rudy, Black yeah, people yeah, should be offended. Well, you know, especially, actually, John, especially these days, when you go into stores and people are asking you for ID because they're trying to protect themselves from fraud, it's if, if this had been done 50 years ago, it would have been an adjustment. But we're all taking our IDs out two and three times a day now. I had to take mine out to get in the building. Well, Rudy, I'm not surprised. I mean, if I was standing, I would have let you in the building. We got to call security, security. Mr. Mr. Gonzalez, it's uh, it's Judge Richard. (laughs) Mr. Gonzalez, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I know you've spoken about this before, but I'm very interested 
on your theory about the Black Lives Matter movement. Would you explain to our listeners what you're talking about? Sure. I, I just wrote a book on it, by the way, uh, BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. I Let's separate you know, what I mean by BLM. BLM, the concept I embrace. I love the fact that Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter to me, I say Black Lives Matter. What I write about is the organization and the founders of the organization, specifically Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the women, the, the four women, really people talk about three, but it's four, who founded BLM GNF, who founded BLM, uh, are all Marxists, trained by Marxists for years. They say they're Marxists. They say they want to destroy capitalism. They say they want to abolish the family. Uh, they say capitalism is racist. They say they don't only want to defund the police, but actually get rid of the police, get rid of prisons, get rid of surveillance, and get this, get rid of the court system. They, I mean, what society survives that way? But I think they know that because they also want to get rid of the way society is organized. They also say that. That's what prompted me to write the book, because no, no one writes about this, and yet it, it is what they say. Mr. Gonzalez, this is David Patterson. I want to know if you have an idea where the money is coming from to support this type of organization and these uh, ideas. Because right here in New York, we have a lot of socialist candidates that are running in this year's election. And I want to know where they're getting the money from. When the case of BLM and GNF, uh, they got a lot of money from uh, the uh, the Tides Foundation. They got money from Soros. They got money from Buffett's son. Uh, you know, they got a lot of money from good Americans who want to see social justice, who who had their, their feelings of righteousness manipulated, right? Because if you if you say, you know, our name is Black Lives Matter. Who could be against that? I guess there are ugly racists who could be against that. But you know, you, so, but if you say red ideas matter, nobody's going to give you money. More important, Mr. Patterson, however, is where the money has gone. They raised $90 million in 2020, according to their own uh, press release. And now nobody knows where the money is. They won't tell the IRS. They say that the Form 990, which is what, what charity organizations must fill, is triggering and weaponized. Uh, so, so the IRS is people. The state of California and Washington have to, have suspended their their fundraising status until they come up with the money. Mike Gonzalez, we know where the money went. Buy large mansions. That's what no, BLM no, now stands white, for. White mansions in white neighborhoods. Absolutely, and uh, they clearly they also had on their website that they wanted to get rid of the father figure. Right, right. They exactly. want to destroy, but, divide, right. and conquer. You know, is there anything? You know, fatherless families are a, blind, a colorblind killer, right? Whether it's in the white community, the black community, any color community, and, and they want to do this in the name of people. Oh, my God. But look, let's go back to the housing. The houses. The house, the mansion in Southern California costs six millions. The mansion in Toronto, another six or seven million, which, by the way, was the, the get this, the, the former headquarters of the Communist Party of Canada. Yes, they bought that. That was only seven million. Then Patrice six, Columbus six, and was, seven. My God! Right. Well, listen, we're my, out Mike of time. Gonzalez. I wish Mike we had Gonzalez, more time. We're yeah. out of time, but I want you to come back, and I want to list the top ten corporations that were suckered, that was suckered <laughs> into giving them money, and that the CEOs have no courage. And of course, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to short the stocks. <laughs> Check out an ad in the post that, and tell that, everybody what suckers you, they are. Thank you, Mike Gonzalez, and we're going to have you on for a longer period of time next time.
Thanks, and goodbye to all of you. Thanks Thank a lot. You. Thank you. Now we have John Chachis, a leading uh, investment banker in the media business. And who better to ask what the heck is going to happen with Twitter? Is, it gonna, is the deal ever going to happen? John Chachis, tell us. How are you, John? Yeah, I think this deal happens. I think the fact that you have a guy who has capital and who showed up with his money and has said, I have financing, and you have a, a real negotiation with the board of directors the way it's supposed to happen, and the board recommends it. Um, you know, I guess it's possible that, that the stockholders look at a an offer of all cash at a premium to market and say, nah, I don't want his money. I don't think so. I think they take the money and they sell. I think he owns the company. Wow, that uh, that's uh, that, that's something because he's getting opposition. His Tesla stock is under attack. It was eleven hundred dollars a share. It's down to eight hundred something, yep. and so. The people that are part of the woke culture are are attacking that way by selling. And oh, well, I don't know. I don't. Hold on a second. I'm not sure that that's right, John. I think okay. that one of the things that people. I think one of the people people are one of the things people are presuming is that most guys don't have laying around fifty billion dollars, um, and they're going to have to come up with a um, a way. He's going to have to come up with a way to finance this. So, what's the most logical way? He's going to take some piece of his shares of Tesla. And he's going to pledge them or he's going to sell them. So what's happened is the market has made certain suppositions about how Elon Musk is going to come up with his money. And they have assumed that some piece of his Tesla holdings are going to have to become liquid, which puts pressure on the shares. So what? I mean, when you're a guy that's worth what he's worth, the idea, the idea that he can uh, uh, sell some of his Tesla shares, I mean, you know, in the end, I don't know if that's going to really matter. I think if this guy's made up his mind, he wants to own this asset. He's going to buy it. I, I think mm-hmm. he has courage enough that you're exactly right. And they'll open up free speech to uh, again. Then I, I understand the Disney company is under attack, and there's rumors that the old chairman might want to come back. The stock has gone from 190 down to 115. And there's rumors yeah, there's that that, that uh, uh, other companies are uh, are fighting. Well, look, I think that they're – I think the question about Tesla – the question about Twitter – is whether the traditional folks in the media who have been part of a particular leaning sentiment about how things should be reported now fear that Twitter will not be a platform that edits out everybody with a conservative political philosophy. I think it scares the living hell out of them, and it probably should. I mean, look, Elon Musk is an iconoclastic, odd guy. Today he sort of tweeted something about, well, maybe I should – you know, buy Coke and put cocaine back into Coke. He says things that most people don't say who are chairman and CEOs of big companies, and he doesn't care. Um, and in the end, that probably threatens a whole bunch of people who think that Twitter was only on their side of things. So, you know, Twitter is, is, is a democratization of broadcast. It gives everybody the ability to spout their – I mean, most of the stuff that's on there is just garbage. You can't spend your time reading it. But the fact is that it's now going to be a platform that's not going to be um, warehoused away from conservatives, and it's not going to be quietly in the pocket of the political left, I suspect scares the hell out of the media. John Chacha- who, who's next? Is, it, is, it, is Facebook? Does the, the value of Facebook has already gone from, what, 800, 900 billion down to, what, three, 400? Well, all of the technology stocks have been under. I don't. I haven't looked at today's market cap of these things. All of these technology stocks have been under tremendous pressure. Um, I think that they had gotten ahead of themselves in some manner. So, you know, who's to say? You saw Netflix, which at one point had a seven hundred dollar 
share that today is in the hundreds someplace, having lost 65, you know, 60% of their value. I mean, Netflix is a spectacular company. It's a great company for what it does. It's gotten mature. Does it make any sense for the market to sell it off that way? I, I don't think so. So I, I you think know, getting too getting too excited about what the market says on any one day or week or month, I, I, I you know I'm too old. I don't do that anymore. But as for Twitter, <laughs> I, I as, think as, some of these companies Twitter, were overvalued anyway. Well, they, they were. were. It, but you know, but but Twitter. The great thing about Twitter, it's now in the hands. It's pretty hard to say Twitter's not going to survive. It's in the hands of the richest person on the planet. And he's going to invest in it to make it a success. I think that's terrific for the stockholders. How can anybody complain? Well, John, John Chachas, and now we're also already seeing some of the effects of Elon Musk buying Twitter. You've heard of shadow banning. It's basically when somebody's uh, tweets, they're not as visible as they should be. And so a lot of uh, people's uh, following counts have gone up. Even Greg Kelly, a host here at WABC Radio, he's seen his uh, account go, his Twitter followers go up. So has Tucker Carlson. So has Donald Trump. Junior, uh, what do you th- is this kind of like a, a reckoning for the this kind of radical left and uh, kind of an <laughs> you know, opening I think, of? I think, uh... I think it's hard to know what's gone on in any of these companies, but but I think it's a healthy thing when you have somebody who says that he is an you know a free speech absolutist. There is going to be stuff now. I think he's going to face some real challenges because the truth is no one should want a broadcast platform where people are spewing lies. No one should want a broadcast platform where people are spewing hateful, destructive things to society. How you how you navigate that, how you manage that is a very difficult task. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jack Dorsey did it so well. I think Elon Musk is going to have his hands full trying to figure out how to do it. Um, but on your point about the political left, I want to change topic for a second and bring people's attention to this decision that was written up you know, yesterday in the, the Court of Appeals in the state of New York, which there's an article today on the cover of the New York Times, left-leaning but extremely well-regarded um, uh, journalism uh, source, pointing to the absolute slapping that the political left and the Democratic Party in New York got with respect to the redistricting of our congressional districts. I personally think that decision – is sort of akin to the Pentagon Papers in terms of its relevance to democracy. I, I think this decision was incredibly, incredibly powerful and important, stopping a, a, a left-leaning progressive state where the redistricting process was, grew, was viewed as capricious and unconstitutional. And it wasn't just you know a bunch of judges who were on the wrong side of the aisle not liking it. This was a, an on-bank group of judges, all appointed by Democratic governors, absolutely smacking what was done. You're 100% right. John, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. You and I had the opportunity to discuss this issue this morning at the office, and I said to you, I believe that this is the the beginning of a whole new way of looking at at redistricting. I think there's going to be a whole phenomenon where there will be more and more states creating independent districting commissions and taking it away from legislative uh, gerrymandering. I think this sends a message to all of these radical legislators that are trying to make everything a one-party state. What do you think, John Chachis? Oh, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic decision and that I have enormous uh, gratitude for the judges who had the courage because it would have been so easy just to sort of roll over and let this crap go on. And I think it has implications for this fall in November. The Democratic Party had these you know, there were about eight seats that were being redistricted, where four of them would have been absolutely Democratic seats. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi and her folks were counting on those in their column. That's done. And I think it's incredible that the judges wrote this in such a way where they, as, as, as Judge uh, 
uh, as Richard just said a second ago, you know, this has been appointed now to a special master to actually do the process away from the political hacks um, trying to mess with it. You know, it's a great it's a great day for America where Absolutely. where where the process actually is back to districts that should be close to the people who elect their representative. If they don't like the representative, they can throw the representative By the people, out. for the people. Mm-hmm. I think this was the right decision, but I caution everyone that even the decision itself is being politicized in some ways because you have states right now like Ohio and Kansas and uh, Oklahoma who have very similar districting patterns, and I would hope that the courts in those cases cases take the same uh, path. Well, but we how about agree. Illinois? I, I, hope, I hope they do, too. And by the way, if, if some of those courts are, are, are in states that are red-leaning states where, where the behavior of the legislature was to do the opposite, the exact same thing ought to happen. Fair and square right. to exactly. everybody. Exactly. Fair and square to and everybody. You're right Every American. Illinois, you're on. Every American. Illinois. Don't forget the Democrats in Illinois. Illinois? Illinois made a lot of noise. They, their noise, John and John, was that they were going to have a fair but redistricting. The difference, Your Honor, is that they in didn't. Illinois, the people who are rendering the decisions are deceased. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. John Chatches, we're out of time. We've got to take a quick a break. Thank you, John Chatches, and we'll have you on again soon. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for your brilliant insight. Thank you. And we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Judge Weinberg. He is very emotional about the redistricting plan that went on yesterday. And And I also have a question for him. A 17-year-old kid who's accused of shooting somebody, killing that person, also held up his mother at gunpoint, was let out free, and I want to know why. Stay tuned to WABC, and at the end, we're going to have Dr. Mark Mark Siegel. Siegel. Let's uh, take the break. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. In the studio, we have Rudy Washington. We have Governor Patterson. Of course, John Katzmatidis, it's his show. And Judge Richard Weinberg. And, you know, we're trying to save the world here, Judge Weinberg. And we keep talking about the bail reform. And I saw this story, and it shocked the heck out of me. A 17-year-old kid, Stephen Sanchez, he held up first. He held, he held up his mother at gunpoint. But before he did that, he slapped her, right? Then he committed a bunch of other crimes. A cop let him, uh, they, the judge let him go, right? Then he appeared while he was out on, I guess, probation for that crime. He's now accused of shooting somebody to death during a gang shooting. He killed a 21-year-old by accident. And guess what? The judge let him out again. Wait, wait. I want to know the judge's, I want to know the judge's name the because judges. the judge should be indicted. Right. What say right. you, Judge Richard Weinberg? And how okay. could this possibly be? This okay. is, and this was in the Bronx, by the way. Okay. Do we want to talk, we want to talk uh, politics? We want to talk the law. I don't know the, the judge. I read the article in the Post, but let me tell you how the, the system works. There's, something, there's a rule under criminal procedure law in New York State. It's 180-80. You have 120 hours from the time of arrest right. to present to the grand jury to get an indictment unless there's a good cause extension granted by the court but for a reason somebody is an extremist and a witness is not available. So all this judge probably had before him or her was this that the case had either not been presented to the grand jury or the grand jury did not indict. And then the judge, and there was no application for a good cause extension, therefore the judge had no choice on this particular case 
but to let this I respectfully out. disagree. I think this Bronx Supreme Court Justice Naida Samaj Williams, that's her name, Supreme Court Justice Naida Samaj Williams. If you Google her name, you'll see that she's extremely lenient on a lot of these cases. Could it be possible, Judge Weinberg, that she used this procedural discrepancy to her advantage? Couldn't she have just postponed the hearing to give the DA more time or something like oh, that? This is a good cause extension, but you raised something that's very interesting. What the judge has the case before her, finds out that there's no indictment. Therefore, 180-80 is applicable. It has to be a re- there has to be a release. Right. It has to be a release. However, if there was an indictment, the judge still has discretion, even with an indictment, to take the bail down. But that's not what happened here. The judge let him, let him let out him and dismissed the case. Correct. Which leads me to the conclusion, having done this for 15 years, telling you there was no indictment here and there was no explanation for good cause. So while this judge may be a bleeding heart judge and lets everybody out, on this one, there's a reasonable explanation for that. And it has nothing to do with the bail reform law. Right. It has everything to do, as Governor Patterson knows, who's an excellent assistant district attorney and practicing attorney, he knows as well as I do, 18080 is mandatory on the judges. So what does 18080 mean again? It means that if there's no indictment within 120 hours, you have to let the defendant out on that case. That's what it means. Unless a good cause extension is granted. All right. Let's, let's now, take uh, the- Your Honor, just one last question. But the case itself was dismissed. Right. Well, because the case, because they, they obviously had nothing. There was no indictment. There was no good cause even extension. Even if you shoot the guy in the head, there's no indictment? died and the poor mother no, no, of listen, the victim is look, outraged yeah but you have to you always have to remember at these hearings you can't assume that you know that he shot someone in the head this I is know, what the police allegedly and, and by yes. the way yeah. if somebody said accident i don't go for that either because that's characterizing facts that are not How about he yeah, we didn't, know what it didn't sound like an accident to me he held right, his mother up right. at gunpoint right, he should we, be in rikers judge weinberg look into it a little bit deeper let's report back tomorrow Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Dr. Mark Siegel and and find out what's going on. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. We just had a spirited discussion during the commercial break. We're saying they're killing our young people at the border with fentanyl and the old people with Lipitor, right? Is that what you were? Because it's adulterated medicine that we're getting from China. (laughs) And the good news is they're going to cut off our water supply, so you won't be able to take your Lipitor. I'm laughing, but a lot of it is true. And then then what did you say, Judge Weinberg? We talked about the Democrats, Biden, and his his, uh, fumbles today. And what did you say, with all due respect to myself? (laughs) (laughs) They shouldn't die the Democrat Party for what they're doing to this country. <laughs> well, Dr. Mark Siegel, can we invoke the 25th? No, I'm just kidding. Um, how, <laughs> the obesity drug that we just saw. Did you hear about that obesity drug that it cuts it down by 20%? We're very interested in that. How effective is it? Because that sounds like something that's really revolutionary because we know obesity is one of the major causes of death in this country. You mean, Lydia, I don't get to talk about the 25th Amendment, and I bet you're not the one that is interested in this obesity drug. I don't know who is, and I'm not going to mention names. No, I was interested. (laughs) I, 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 I lost three inches. John eats very healthy. I've never you eat very healthy and takes care of himself. But no, that's like kind of a game changer because if we cut down obesity, we could cut down heart disease. We could cut down so many diseases, I, including I had COVID. Dinner last night with Doctor Oz, and he told me I should go on that. Well, it's not out yet, but I'll tell you, it looks incredibly promising. It's called terzepatide, 
and it's made by Lilly, and it, they just finished a 72-week trial. The Surmount One, what a name for a trial, Surmount One, and people lost on average 20% of their weight. Uh, the group that got the higher dose lost 50 pounds. The other lower dose, 35 pounds. It, it increases the amount of insulin you make. And it decreases the amount of glucagon. Glucagon is the hormone that causes a lot of sugar to run around. It's a really healthy drug. They tried it on diabetics first. Now they're using it on everyone. This is a game changer, and it's very well tolerated. And I'm, I predict great things for this. 110 million people obese in the United States. We need this drug. Side and, of and, are, are we the most obese nation in the world? Yes. We're, it, we're must be those Oreo, it must be those Oreo cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Sell them while you can, John. Wait, Sell them while you can. Well, President Biden is saying, well, let's raise the price of gasoline as much as we can so people could buy more electric cars. So let's raise the price of Oreo cookies as high as we can so people will be less obese. Doesn't that make that's sense? A, and then, that's and, a pretty and, good And plan. then we blame Putin. <laughs> Everything's Putin's fault. No, or it's racism also or Trump. It's also Trump's yes, fault. And Trump. Well, hold yes. on a minute. Let's or not leave China. Let's not leave China out of this equation. Yeah, I can't even to. get any blood drawing tubes right now. China is so shut down, so locked down in ridiculous manner, COVID zero, that you can't get anything except fentanyl coming out of China. Plenty <laughs> of fentanyl coming out still. Now, doctor, does that make any sense at all? What they're doing? It just defies logic. It's something out of a sci-fi movie. Remember Blade Runner? They check your retina, and if you have any sign of COVID <laughs> in your retina, you're locked down or something. It's craziness. Complete craziness shows complete lack of learning. And by the way, it's because they never got exposed to COVID previously that they're so susceptible now. It proves lockdowns don't work. Well, speaking, speaking of lockdowns that don't work and lack of common sense, Dr. Fauci announced that he is not going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, even though how many times is he vaccinated? and boosted and all these things. Meanwhile, Biden says he's going. So what do you think about that? Hasn't the virus gotten weaker? Although it's more transmissible, people are more likely to survive it. Yeah, it's gotten a lot weaker. It's much more prone to affect the upper airways now. And as you say, there's a ton of immunity around. The latest count looks like about 70 percent of Americans have seen Omicron and and most children have seen it. And and with that and the vaccine, it's created a path out of the pandemic. And even Fauci is saying we're leaving the pandemic here in the United States. But I guess we're not leaving it fast enough for him to go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Or maybe he doesn't like the food there. I'm not sure. I mean, he's a star. They're going to roast him there, Lydia. Maybe he'll He's be roasted. He's a star. He's going to be the star there. They even Mark have a doll. Siegel, there's a, que- there's a <laughs> question that I don't want to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Oh. It's, a, it's a dangerous question. Oh. It's the fact that so many people died the first six months of COVID because we didn't have a clue. That's right. No clue on how to really to treat them. You're right. Is that statement more true than that? That's so true. And it's something that's ignored. And we didn't know that it caused this degree of blood clots. We didn't know how to handle the lung disease. We put too many people on ventilators. Remember that sexual predator up there saying, ventilators, I need ventilators in my state. I need more ventilators. (laughs) I know what predator he's talking about. (laughs) Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you for your input. Uh, Judge Weinberg, thank you for uh, your input. (laughs) Governor David Patterson. And uh, for your breaking news, uh, we have uh, Deputy Mayor Rudy 
Washington. Uh, Rudy Girl. Washington. Uh, you know, related to George Washington. I know. <laughs> but I know. The the they side they of bear a striking <laughs> resemblance. The <darker> side <laughs> of and Lydia Saran, I thank you for being by my side. Absolutely. And, uh, Always. God bless New York. God bless America. And we do need a blessing. <laughs> We're in tough shape. Thank you so much. Love you, Dr. Siegel. Oh.